Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in on a little bit of everything with me, and I am your host, Angelica. This is a podcast that talks about a little bit of everything, so sit back and enjoy the show. and welcome back to another episode of a little bit of everything with me today my guest is the owner of soul journeys welcome jennifer to the show how are you doing today i'm doing really well and uh it's i first of all super grateful that you invited me on the show i know we're gonna have a great time together i want to know more about what you you do and about soul journey so tell the listeners what you're all about well i have i uh run a company called Soul Journeys, as you mentioned, which is basically a one-stop shop for people that want to enhance their intuition, learn about how to provide intuitive guidance to other people, uh, shift their relationship with money. I'm all about consciousness, right? So consciousness of our soul, consciousness of money and it having its own vibe and its own wealth. You know, we have poverty consciousness, we have wealth consciousness. I like to help people with that. I, I really like helping people get clear on their purpose. And I think especially now, more and more people are asking themselves, you know, does my life matter? Does my life have meaning? What's the contribution I want to make to the world? Am I living on purpose? And if I'm not, what do I want to do? And what do I need to do to get to that place? So that's something I've been helping people with for a really long time. Prior to that, though, uh, even though I grew up in a very spiritual family and we talked about a lot of very woo things, I didn't know that the rest of the world didn't behave like us behind closed doors, right? So I went out into the world and really had to censor myself a lot because I didn't realize that what I was saying was making people feel uncomfortable. And I think those kind of experiences are really, um, you know, they really shape us because regardless of what our upbringing is and, and what we do, once we get into a place where we're broadcasting our message, one of the biggest things I've found with not just myself, but my clients is that we have to learn how to really speak our truth, even if not, even if it doesn't land with everyone. Mm-hmm. So I uh, was still conditioned to get a job and get a convention, you know, go into a conventional role. So I went to university, became a forensic social worker. I worked in forensics for a long time. I investigated crimes against children and uh, saw a lot of crazy stuff. But all of that, again, was just foreshadowing for what I do now because a lot of what I help people do, a lot of what gets in the way of people living their purpose and having a high degree of self-worth and running a business that's profitable and all the things I help uh, service-based business owners do usually stems back to some sort of trauma from their childhood and the messages they received, the, you know, the lack of support they received or the, the rug being pulled out from underneath them or, you know, a whole host of things. And um, so it's kind of cool that I got unexpected training in that way to be able to really be effective in what I do now. No, for sure. And thank you for sharing that. And how did soul journeys come about? Like, what was it when you had to figure out, like, you know what, I can make this into a business? I 
love that you asked that because I was so conditioned that the only way to make a living was a job that being an entrepreneur just wasn't even on my radar. I didn't even know it was a possibility. I was working in forensics and I had been attuned to Reiki. And I think most people kind of have heard of what Reiki is, which is just an energy modality. And um, so I started meeting other people in my job that had that. And it was really hard to be in that job being so sensitive, right? And intuitively, I could see things. I didn't always have the uh, ability to gather physical evidence to prove things right. Uh, it was very crisis oriented, very chaotic. There was just always, you know, it was just always a hot mess. Like you just were never ahead of, of your notes and there was always a case to go out on and, and so on. And I woke up one day and I said, you know, I am living just above the, the line, meaning like I had just enough to pay my bills or I didn't quite have enough to pay my bills. I had credit that I needed or, you know, debt on my credit cards that I needed to pay off based on how things were looking financially as a public servant. I thought, well, I'm never going to be able to own a home unless I get into a relationship with someone. And I don't want to sacrifice and just get into a relationship with anyone so I can live the white picket fence that society tells me I'm supposed to have. So anyways, I started seeing people that were doing what I do now and they were running their own business. And I thought, well, how did you do that? Like, did you go to school to learn how to do it? Like what? I don't understand. Because I knew there wouldn't be a job for me doing all the woo stuff. And um, so when I left friends, I, so anyways, I said, you know, I can't do this for another 40 years. This is, I'm living ones, I'm burning out. I wake up every Monday morning thinking how many times can I hit the snooze button before I have to decide whether I'm calling in sick or whether I'm just going to suck it up and go in. And I would, you know, go in autopilot through the week and spend my weekends cleaning, running errands, catching up, trying to sleep. And by Sunday afternoon, I was already getting that feeling of, oh, I have to go in again. And that's not a nice way to live. I'm sure mm -hmm. there's people listening that, that get that. So I went into corporate and um, did sexual harassment investigations and disability fraud and stuff for about two years. And that was not a good fit for me. I turns out I don't have a personality to work in corporate. I have way more of a public servant uh, attitude and care for people and, but anyways what it allowed me to do was work a true nine to five so after five o'clock I could truly honor my plans if I had a case that came in at 455 then that's what I had to answer to and um, so I had to cancel plans all the time whereas with working nine to five I could actually go out with friends and more importantly I could go to these networking events and I thought they were all aliens, right? Like they were speaking alien to me. I didn't understand their lifestyle. Like just, but it was good because I got to be around them to see it. Is this something I really want to do? Can I speak their language? Do I have what it takes? You know, I kind of studied them. Basically, I did a forensic audit on them, right? I was like analyzing their behavior, going, what do they all have in common? And do I have that too? And it turns out after I did a quiz that I actually have a very strong entrepreneurial personality. And that also explained why it was always so frustrating for me to have a job because um, <laughs> so much of working for someone else is really annoying for me. So I eventually took the leap and it wasn't easy. You know, we hear the saying that you have to take the leap and trust that the net will catch you. And that's all great in theory, but then when you actually have to do it, it's a whole other thing. So as I was making that leap, this job came up at hospice for director of training and I had always wanted to work at hospice. Like I, 
have mad respect for that organization. My mom had volunteered there. I loved the work they were doing and I knew it was heavy work, but I also knew I had been trained to, to do it. And I got the job because I was qualified. And um, the first day on the job, I was five minutes late. I'm never late. I, something in my soul was like, no, <laughs> this is not what you agreed to, right? This was me looking for the backup plan. This was me buying into the illusion of having a job as security and that that was the noble way to make a living. I'm not joking when I tell you, and I'm still to this day kind of mortified to admit it out loud, but I'm going to share it for a reason, that on the fifth day, which was the Friday, I called in sick. I could not for the life of me, and I know we've all had those days, and it, it's more of a mental health day, right, where I just could not get out of bed. The heaviness, the thought of driving to that job was so intense that when I weighed out the fact that they would probably hate my guts, right, and obviously I would lose my job, um, with the, the feeling I had about going in, I chose to not go in. And she called me on the Monday and we had a great discussion. And she said, you know, your body language and your job interview was such that we kind of knew that you wanted to do this job, but that your heart wasn't in it. And so, you know, we have no hard feelings, but obviously, you know, it's probably time for us to part company. And I said, yeah, I agree. So that kind of forced me to let go of my, my backup plan. And I just sort of slid into my business and I've been doing it now full time for 16 years. Wow. And I love hearing that all your whole story because for people who are listening, it's very inspirational to kind of feel like what you felt through your journey um, with the corporate and then your other job. And you've done a lot of heavy, heavy work. And I cannot imagine even myself being a part of like what you did in the past. And even to think about it, like when you were talking what you've done I was just like holy crap this is heavy <laughs> and it's not everybody that can do this and you know people who are listening could feel like you know if you're not loving this job or you're not putting your heart into it then you might as well part ways and sometimes you have to do that even though they may be paying you so much more money than what you're used to and you know sometimes people take jobs for money and then some of them just don't really, you know, find it reasonable with the money, but they love the job that they do. So it's kind of like, what do I do next? But I appreciate you sharing that. And with Soul Journeys, what services do you offer for people? Yeah, I, well, in, thank you for asking. And I, I'll add on to what you just said, which is, uh, I was trained to not talk about myself, right? It's always about the client. And even to this day, I, it's not that I don't share things about myself because I'm trying to hide it. I'm trying to give off an image that I have it all together. Uh, it's just my, my entrainment, right? That I, I was taught that you just never make it about you. If it's about serving other people, then show up and serve other people. But I share that because too many people will say, oh, it's just easy. I just woke up one day and I started my business and look at me now. I'm like, no, that is a lie. Everyone struggles when they launch a business. Everyone struggles when they launch a podcast, right? Because uh, it, it's a different thing, but we, uh, 
we have these layers of consciousness where we don't know what we don't know and then we become aware of what we don't know and it freaks us out and then we become consciously com or unconsciously incompetent where we know what we know but we don't even know yet that we actually are more competent than we realize and we become consciously competent and that's kind of the entrepreneurial path. So when I first started my business, I was doing intuitive readings and that's all I thought I was going to do. I was just so happy to serve people. I love people. I love helping people work through their stuff. I love, I love helping people see who they really are and shatter any illusions of who they're not. I, I just love that. I can do that all day, every day. And my clients started asking me to teach them how to do what I did. And I didn't know how to do that. And they got angry with me because they thought I was just trying to withhold information, but it was because I didn't know that I could just decide, right, to create my own training. And uh, when I had enough people ask, I finally surrendered and said, okay, I'll create a training. Never imagined I would do that. And tons of people have gone through that training where I teach people how to, you know, access intuitive guidance and do that for themselves and for their clients. And then uh, people would keep coming to me for readings about their purpose and they would constantly say, well, I do A, B, and C, but I don't have the money or I have to stay in this relationship because of the money or it always somehow went back to the money. And I would think, boy, if money was a person, like it's getting thrown under the bus an awful lot. If it wasn't about the money, what would it really be about? And this is where my forensic stuff kicked in again, right? I was looking for patterns and looking at, okay, but what's really going on here? What's underneath this? And so I started offering training on how to heal people's money mindset so that, you know, the more we expand our money mindset, the more we can look at money, the more we uh, can look at, at our bank statements and see what's truly coming in and what's truly going out. The more we can ask for the raise, the more we can learn how to invest, right? There's all kinds of things we can do when, our, when we're willing to uh, stop having our ostrich in the, in the sand sort of thing. And at the same time, I started offering business coaching because people said to me, your business is so great. Like you're helping all these people and you look like you're doing really well. Can you teach me how to do what you're doing? And I said, okay, well, I guess, I guess I could, <laughs> you know, again, these were never parts of my plan. And so I started offering business coaching and then the word got around that I was doing this business coaching. And so before you knew it, I had you know, this division of my company, which helps people basically express their purpose through their business. That's what a lot of us choose to do. And then I have this division that helps people heal their relationship with money so that they can, you know, finally go do the things that they say they can't do because they don't have the money. And then of course the sole purpose stuff, which is actually guiding people, but also having the training. And, um, and I'm sure it'll turn into something else too, right? Like there was a time where I thought maybe I would start offering relationship coaching because that's one of the main questions I get asked when people come to me for readings is, you know, where's the love of my life and or is the person I'm with the love of my life or, you know, how do I get out of this relationship? It's so, something love related, but it's usually the soulmate question. And, uh, and I'm in a relationship with my soulmate and have been for some time and and so I thought, well, you know, I don't like to teach anything that I haven't mastered yet. But now that I'm in this relationship and, and have navigated it for some time, maybe, you know, it's time for me to a point. I kind of have to, I think for all of us, right, we have to pick a lane and stay in the lane for a period of time. And, and um, you know, even though we can do a lot of things, what are the things that we are really good at and can do with our eyes closed? So I'm, I'm staying with what I'm doing right now.
I wanted to add to something about what you said at the beginning of touching on about like people starting a business and saying that, oh, you know, I have this business and it's so successful. And then it's like, there's no worries. There's nothing like they just opened it. All of a sudden it's like profit. They've got clients and it's true. It's not like that. And this is why I like to showcase a lot of entrepreneurs on the podcast, because once you share those personal stories and those challenges, you really want to hear that and really feel it. Because, you know, it's not easy for everybody to open up a business and think, oh, yeah, it was just a handoff. I kept all the clients, et cetera, et cetera. No, it's these are people who start from scratch, have this vision in their minds, and they really just want to excel in this. But of course, like they say, the first five years, you can either make it or break it. And you just don't know, but you're going through these challenges. So I really like what you offer, especially nowadays with with money and everything. And, you know, I feel like every Everybody's got this this thing with money, this relationship with money, and it's so hard to, you know, like how do I create that healthy relationship with money? How can I really, you know, pay down everything that I need to pay down, or how can I dedicate to, you know, really just being on track with money? So, um, when you go through this process, so with money, is it do you guide them through a certain way? Is it something that we have to kind of connect with our minds or body and soul to really tell ourselves okay let's just use money for priorities like how does that work i'm glad you asked this it's it's simple and it's complex at the same time if we go to the meta level money is just energy and money becomes what we project onto it so if we operate under that theory then whatever relationship we're having with money is a direct mirror for our past that we need to heal. So I'll give you an example. Um, A lot of people struggle paying their taxes. They get angry, screw the government. Nah, these guys suck. Nah, they just want my money. They don't, you know, they have these things, right? But government is an authority. And depending on our relationship with authority, which gets cultivated when we're kids, determines how we do with authority across the board, including our employers, including government, et cetera. And so if we're not in right relationship with authority, if we have skewed perceptions of what authority is and what it isn't, then when it comes to tangible real life things like paying taxes, we get irritated. Most people like my husband, God bless him, and I have to let him have his own journey, didn't file his taxes last year because he doesn't want to look money in the eyes. And I can't do his taxes for him. I'm not qualified. Like it, that stresses me out, but I have to let him do his own thing, right? And, mm-hmm. and have the repercussions that he's going to have, which, you know, when you miss one year, it's not a big deal. But it, it wasn't about he couldn't file his taxes. It wasn't that he didn't have time. It's that he tried to, to convince himself that he didn't have time because then he wouldn't have to go to H&R Block, for example, and file his taxes, <laughs> because that would have meant he would have had to look government in the eyes, so to speak, right, and deal with that relationship that he gets triggered by. Now, knowing what I know about his relationship with his parents, I can see why he would avoid authority, right, and having to have discussions about paying authority and, and those kind of relationships. Another example is, um, you know, how I actually uncovered it was I was writing a letter to my business and just trying to uncover, like I was trying to look at it from the perspective of being up in the penthouse view. So I thought, okay, well, if, if my business was a person and I wrote a letter to it, what would I say to it, right? I was telling my business off. This was many, many years ago. 
and you're not, you know, you're there, but you're not really there. And, you know, I keep asking you to do these things or produce these results and you're not, and what's going on. And I realized, oh my God, that's my dad. My relationship with my business right now is my dad. He's there physically, but he's emotionally not there, which I think is the experience of many of us, right? We, it, society tends to be plagued with emotionally distant dads and it's, it's, it's their own conditioning too. So I'm not making them wrong. But for me to have that awareness of, oh my goodness, my relationship with my business is a direct reflection of my dad. Now I can do something with it because I'm having this experience because I'm creating it because it needs to be healed, right? Business and money are great healers. So when I realized I could write this letter to business, I thought, well, what would happen if I wrote this letter to money? And the same thing popped up. My dad was there for me. But every time I asked him to, to be there, like to really be there for me, like I knew he was there for me. I knew he'd have my back if I really needed him. I knew he'd bail me out. So I didn't have a bad relationship with money at the time, meaning like I wasn't, you know, in debt or anything like that. But it wasn't coming the way I, you know, it wasn't for the effort I was putting out. I wasn't getting the monetary results to reflect that the way that I felt I should have. And, um, but I realized again, that was my relationship with my dad. Now that's not always going to come up. Sometimes I might see my relationship with my mom attached to money, or I might, um, you know, even in school, if we've been bullied because money is a relationship and we project our relation, our unresolved relationship energy onto money, then, uh, we'll have all kinds of funny things come up. I was coaching these uh, ladies that live in Seattle and they moved from China a few years ago to get out of the oppression of China. And at the same time, they're in a, in the same relationship. They moved to the States. Obama finally got in office. Gay marriage was approved. They were all excited. Then Trump came into office and all these things started being reversed. Their money started going down in their business. So I, you know, started kind of exploring with them what was going on. And what we uncovered was that they didn't want to make any more money in their business, even though they wanted to, because they knew it was going to go to a government that was oppressing them, A, for being quote unquote foreigners, and B, for being in a same-sex relationship, and the fact that they had to pay a government to openly strip them of their rights, basically, which is a really valid point, right? Like, from that viewpoint, yeah, I, I mean, I can totally see why they wouldn't want to. So I had to help them to see why it would be of service to them and why it would be of service to other people for them to play the game and look at it as, okay, how can I beat this system at their own game by actually making a ton of money to then filter it towards the causes that actually help uplift the populations that I want to uplift because I can now financially do that. So I know that was a lot. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm understanding more about energies because I'm so intrigued by it. And it does make sense. Like if you, for me, the way I understand it is the way you have this relationship of mentally going through your mind of saying, okay, I have these extra hundred dollars. Do I spend it? Do I not? Because I, if I were to go back to my teenage years and you get your first job, you got your first paycheck that relationship with money was just like, oh my gosh, I have $600. All of a sudden you feel like you have this power in you to be able to 
spend those $600. The next thing you know, in 24 hours, it's all gone. And you're like, wow, can't wait for the next paycheck. And then as you get older and you start to, you know, get a car or you have transportation or paid for college or university, whatever it is, then that relationship with money tends to shift a little bit, but then you still want to have fun and you're still trying to figure out what's more important. Uh, But I'm, I'm really intrigued by energies because sometimes I feel like when I talk to people, I feel like it they drain my energy, like they suck it all the out of my body because I guess they want to feel heard or they feel like they can talk to me. But then all of a sudden for me, I'm just like, I don't know why I feel so exhausted. And I... I just sometimes like I have to kind of get away from the conversation and regroup for myself personally. And then I feel so much better once I kind of just like, you know, relax a little bit because there is some people that tend to talk to me and I feel really exhausted. And I don't know if it's energy to energy and they feel like, okay, I've got this positive energy in me. And then they just trying to like, I guess, use it up if that makes any sense. And sometimes I'm just like, I don't know, is this, is this what energy's all about? I wanted to ask you that because I'm like, that's been on my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's the the dilemma of those of us that want to help. And, you know, when things kind of shifted dramatically, kind of shift dramatically, when they shifted dramatically in the world, my crisis worker, my get up and go and go and, you know, get my, get up to my elbows and like help out. Mm-hmm. I just jumped in. I know how I'm, I'm built for this. I know how to operate in a crisis. Uh, it's not that I want to, and I really got out of that. I purposely got out of that for a long time and I didn't want to work with clients that were constantly in crisis because I'd been there, done that. And, um, and I have a sense of what a real crisis is by the way. Right. And most people think that the crises in their life are, and in fact, they're just little blips of time where they, you know, turn a bad five minutes into a bad five days but what I really have to work on is being the lighthouse instead of being the life raft. And mm-hmm. when we are the life raft, we mean well, and we see people struggling and we see people, you know, drowning in their own emotions, drowning in debt, drowning in whatever. And how many people can really fit in a life raft, right? And then if you yeah. put too many people in there, then you're potentially going to go underneath with them. You're going to expend a lot of energy and uh, all in the spirit of trying to help people, then we end up not being good for anyone when we're just constantly being the life raft. So it doesn't mean that people aren't worthy of being helped, but we have to look at the energy in which we're helping people. Even when you hear people, like if you interview people from Haiti, for example, with the hurricane, they felt energy being sent to them from pity and it felt gross for them to receive it. Whereas if it's being sent from a place of let me help you, um, you know, invest in yourself let me let me give you a hand up right if it, it it's still about money going over there but when it comes from a place of let me give you a hand up versus let me feel sorry for you and you poor thing right the person on the receiving end of that um, experiences it based on the energy that the money is coming over with that's just one example i mean we can go over tons of examples but um yeah, we, when we are helpers, we tend to be cups that overflow and we tend to attract bottomless pits. And people that are bottomless pits, there's no amount of water you can put into them, right? They'll always feel empty and they'll always feel like you haven't done enough for them. 
And for those of us that are cup overfloweth, we'll always overflow. We'll always do more than we actually need to. And both of those are toxic behaviors, right? And, and I say this with myself because I think we all are extracting ourselves from that matrix gets benefit, get a benefit from that, right? There's a benefit we get by going, oh, look at all the people I'm helping. You know, everyone wants a piece of me. I'm so tired. I'm helping so many people. I get it because I was there, right? When I, especially when I worked in forensics, you know, there's like this martyrdom that happens and you're basically a hero and, and you're propped up by your colleagues if you stick it out, if you don't burn out. If you burned out, then you were considered weak and people talked about you a certain way. But if you stuck it out and you you know, burnt your adrenals out to the point where you just couldn't function anymore and you had to drink. And people wonder why cops drink so much coffee. Well, they have to replace, you know, and donuts, they have to replace energy with a, a false sense of energy, right? Which is sugar mm -hmm. and caffeine. And um, anyway, so I, um, I, I really get that. So people that are bottomless pets get something out of that dynamic. And people that are attracting bottomless pits get something out of that dynamic. So that's why we, although we mean well, we're well-intended, we have to learn how to shift into being the lighthouse. We actually benefit way more people when we're shining a light as brightly as we can. If ships are lost at sea in the dark and they can't find their way back to shore, we actually do them way more good by being the lighthouse and constantly um, strengthening the light, bringing them back to shore. If we go out with another boat and try to rescue them and the, the waters are too choppy, we risk, um, you know, both boats going under basically. Yeah. Yeah. I completely understand. And the one thing I've learned with, um, with myself, it's like, I need to focus on myself bring positive energy, learn how to get away from the negative. Cause I was working in retail and then I've worked with other, with other people. And I was just like in different industries, it got to a point where I got super stressed out. And when you talk about those fake energy, like uh, was fake energies, you use the term with the, with the cops, mm. with the coffee, I had to really do that in my previous jobs because I was just like, how can I just make it to work? Because you need it. You need to just go, how do I change that energy? How do I change this, this persona to make it feel like, okay, in this eight hours, I'm just going to pretend that everything's great. But when I leave out of here, I'm like exhausted and so drained. And I, I can relate to those costs because you use I didn't really drink as much coffee or donuts. It was more, I was on the green tea caffeine. Like it was just green tea after green tea yeah. after green tea. And it got to a point where I was just mentally exhausted. I was mentally drained. I was mentally like really broken down and thinking, what else could I do so that I can get out of this environment? And it's, un it's crazy how our bodies react to different scenarios and when we push our bodies to our limits and we're trying to find that way out, how, how we manage it, because it's pretty incredible how our whole system, like our mind, body, and soul can really be able to take on these challenges and every day really say like, oh, I can't wait till the weekend, the weekend comes. And then Monday, all of a sudden it's like, oh, back again. Like, how can I just pull through another week? And it's very frustrating. Now, your services, is it private? Do you do group sessions? Is it retreats that you do? What do you offer? 
Well, I don't do one-off sessions anymore because, uh, you know, I'm, I've trained enough people to do what I do and where I really shine is helping people take their business to the next level. So I, I, I'm really, I like to be useful for people and I'm really useful to establish business owners that are ready to go to the next level. Um, so I always have, you know, a database of people that I can refer people that I trust if someone's listening and they're in a startup mode or they're, you know, they're interested in having that kind of experience. The, the ways that I'm kind of universally accessible are through uh, some group business trainings, through group trainings for intuitive development, I guess we'll call it. And um, I have digital products and training on my website for, like I said, helping people with money story, those kind of things. But um, uh, because I've been doing this for a long time, I, you know, I, I think with anything, like back in the day, I used to teach Reiki. And then I kind of just, you know, there, there's a point where you can keep talking about the same thing and then eventually you just grow it, right? It's time to move on. That's one of the benefits of being an entrepreneur is you get to pivot whenever you feel like it. But um, I, I have a community on Facebook called The Purpose Posse, which is for spiritual entrepreneurs. And I really enjoy being there. I like doing a lot of free trainings for people. So I think probably the best way for people to find out what I'm up to is to follow me on Facebook because that's where I spend the most time. I know not everyone's a big fan of Facebook, but uh, I do find that people still go there and they still, you know, want to know what's going on. It's a way to stay in touch with people because I do put on a lot of free trainings. I try to give back in different ways. Uh, and then I, I have a few businesses that I run at this point. So I have to look at how much bandwidth I actually have and, and where my energy is best spent. Definitely. I agree. I agree. I had something in my mind that I wanted to ask you from all the things that you've done and everything that you're doing currently. Well, with the circumstance that we're in, I think we can say that things have slowed down a little bit. Uh, but what do you like to do just to keep your, you know, your energies away from that and kind of just focus on yourself? What are your hobbies? What do you like to do? When the world is normal, and I say that loosely, uh, I'm pretty, you know, I have a nine-year-old and I have a husband and I have a big black lab mix, husky mix, mix dog. So we go for hikes and stuff, but I have a lot to balance just in my household. So I actually am part of the 5am club, which I know not is not for everyone, but high, crazy high performers like me tend to like to get as much out of their day as they can, right? I like to take the orange and kind of squeeze as much juice out as I can. And I need time that's just for me. I realize I'm not actually as functional and I'm not as, um, I don't know, just energized, I guess you could say, if I'm not carving out time for me. So me getting up at 5 a.m. allows me to journal, do some meditation. I go work out because there's certain brain chemicals that get released when you work out and release you know, sweat and stuff first thing in the day. So I'm usually at the gym for six and back home by seven in time for my son to get up and to enjoy breakfast with him and, and whatever. Uh, and 
I'm usually like every day I'm working out in some capacity. It's not because it's a vanity thing at this point. When I was younger, it was like, oh, I've got to look pretty. I've got to be fit. And now it's like, no, I'm getting old. I need to <laughs> keep my mobility. I need to release brain chemicals. I need to keep my brain healthy. Uh, so every day I do some sort of working out. I do dancing. Um, just, just before all this happened, I was preparing for a dance competition. I do martial arts and um, just starting my, my second day on black belt in Taekwondo, which is kind of wild for me to say, because that's not something I ever imagined I would do. Uh, but I do a lot of personal development. I think the reason why I'm able to be so grounded is because I recognize, and I learned this a long time ago, I didn't always know this, that we are always our best investment. Mm -hmm. And so I make a point in doing self-care every week. So whether it's going for a massage, going to see the osteopath, going to the acupuncturist, I do something to keep my energy balanced. But I also uh, read every day. I feed my brain every day with some sort of new information. I only let positive things into my field when I can. So I try to listen to really upbeat, inspirational podcasts or videos on YouTube, whatever it is. And um, I drink a lot of water. I, I've been vegan for a long time. I don't judge people for eating any meat. Just some, when I channeled so much energy, I kind of I couldn't have anything dead in my body. So I had to go completely raw vegan. I couldn't even just be vegan. Now I, I've been vegan for a long time, right? So I'll have stuff that's cooked, but um, I take a lot of supplements. I'm out in nature a lot. I think that's really important to get vitamin D at least 20 minutes a day. They do say that that's good for your immune system anyways. I'm mindful about who I let into my energy field, meaning like I'm not interested in gossip. I, I, at this age in my life, I realize how precious time is and uh, we never get our time back. So I'm not gonna even give people 15 minutes of my time to gossip because that's there's nothing productive in that. There's nothing that doesn't benefit anyone. And um, I'm way more interested in having conversations about how we're changing the world, how we're evolving as people, you know, the fun things we're up to. And then I also, I, interestingly, I booked a ton of things for arts and culture before all of this happened. And we've had so many things that have been canceled. And I'm actually concerned about whether they're going to survive, right? Because they're yeah. already funded pretty minimally by the government. People forget how entertainment, and I think we'll see that from Netflix, right? Hopefully people understand that entertainment, arts and culture is what gets us through hard times in life. Mm -hmm. And um, so... Again, when the pre pre this, um, I was you know trying to go to art galleries at least once a month or go to a play or something because I feel like it's important to tap into the energy of imagination and creativity because that's what you know kind of makes life more colorful. Yeah, no, for sure. And you know, I'm glad that you you really take the time for yourself and also the five a.m. club. I try doing that <laughs> and I start already early for my full-time job and trying to get up at 5 a.m. is still even difficult for doing it. I think about a year. I don't know if it's, well, I do sleep late, which does, that doesn't even help. Of course. Um, I'm, I'm in bed by like 1130 and I'm trying to drag myself out of bed, but you know, what's crazy. I started changing my sleep cycle. So I started going to bed at 10 and then all of a sudden I'm waking mm. up at three in the morning and then I'm yeah. just like, oh my gosh, 
I'm like, oh, wow, I'm waking up on my own, mentally thinking that it's like five o'clock. Oh my gosh, I cracked the code of my sleep cycle. But then I look, I glance at my phone and my watch. It's it's 3 a.m. And I went back to the 11.30 and I sleep through the night, which is so confusing. And I'm, I'm just trying to figure out a solution now, what to do next with the sleep cycle that I'm going through. <laughs> but kudos to yeah. you. Uh, I remember when I first started doing it because I just, you know, a lot of times I just wake up naturally at five or five 30. So it wasn't that big of a deal for me, but I wasn't being productive with that time. Yeah. Now I at least know what to do with that time and how to make the most of it. Cause it really does change my day. Yeah. If I pour into myself first, if I'm pouring into everyone else before I pour into me, good luck. Right. Like mm-hmm. I'm just never going to make myself a priority for the rest of the day. I just know that for all of us, the more, and I get that it's not, it's not great for everyone. And, and I'll be honest right now, you know, I had to weigh it out. And I think we're all being too hard on ourselves during this time. Oh, I should be writing my masterpiece. My body should be in shape. Like all these people have expectations. And when we thought we were going to be isolating for two weeks, that's one thing, yeah. right? We just thought we were going to have a two-week vacation. A lot of people were treating it that way. When we realized yeah. this was going to be going on longer, it was like, okay, you know. And so I realized for me, like I'm still waking up relatively early. Uh, most mornings now, I journal. I always start my morning listening to something positive, right? So I'm still mostly sticking to my schedule. But additionally, what I was going to say is that part of self-care, part of part of being true in our self-care rather than being a martyr because if I'm honest with myself some of that was just me putting unnecessary pressure on myself prior to all of this happening Mm. like I committed to these things therefore I have to do it now it's like no you know what our adrenals are all spent right now regardless of how well we're taking care of ourselves and we're going to be more tired and I actually, for my immunity and for the sake of my family, for the sake of my business, uh, I'm, I'm really much busier now than I've ever been because so many people are looking for spiritual guidance, right? And trying to make sense of the larger picture. Uh, I'm way more useful to everyone, including myself, if I allow myself to sleep until I naturally wake up. And so some days I'm naturally waking up at five. Some days I'm naturally waking up at seven and everywhere in between. And I'm, I'm learning to be okay with that, to just make sleep my priority and honor what my body needs and, and recognizing that without our health, we have nothing, right? So my mm-hmm. health right now is my. For sure. Well, I really thank you so much for all your time and really telling me how this journey started with Soul Journeys and where can the listeners find you, your social media, your LinkedIn and your website? Let my listeners know where they can find you. Well, LinkedIn, I'm there under Jennifer Longmore and I don't spend a a ton of time on there, but I am there for sure. Like I definitely check my inbox a few times a week. I spend a lot of time on Facebook, probably more than I should, but I have a lot of groups there and a lot of clients and stuff. So you can find me on Facebook and then I am on Instagram, but it's my team that manages that. So I just like to be transparent about that. They take my content, right? So it's my voice. Mm -hmm. It's just that they cut and paste things for me and kind of manage those accounts so that people can find me because I really am passionate about helping people find me right now. 
And um, then my website is www.souljourneys.ca. People go there, I have the Soul Acceleration System for free. So it goes over the nine most powerful questions to ask uh, if you want to get more clear on your purpose. I go into more of what the spiritual stuff is that I do and kind of walk people through a process. So if people are feeling like they're they're wanting to open up more of that for themselves, that's always a good place to start. Perfect. Well, everything's going to be in the show notes for everybody who is listening. Um, you'll find all of Jennifer's information in there. And Jennifer, thank you so much again. Thank you because your story is very inspirational and hopefully my listeners can really find you and find their purpose and their relationship with money and many more things that you offer. So thank you so much, Jennifer. I really, really appreciate your time. Thank you. I had a great time. I appreciate you including me. Anytime. And if you have anything to promote in the future, definitely come back. I would love to have you back on the show. Thank you. I'll definitely take you up on that. <laughs> well, to all my listeners out there, thank you for tuning in on another episode of A Little Bit of Everything with me. And that's all we have for now. I'm Anthony. And I'm Jessica with the Beautiful Feet Podcast. Hey, it's your boy, Bromar, host of The Bromar Show. Hello, everyone. It's the Coupon Queen Pen from the CQP Moments Podcast. What's up, everybody? This is your boy, Ken, a.k.a. The Gentleman of the Gentleman Lifestyle Podcast. Hi, this is Stephanie Valente, your local massage therapist. And, and you're you listening, are to listening to a little bit of everything, everything with Angelica. That's it for now. And thank you for tuning in on another episode of A Little Bit of Everything with me. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Just don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on the podcast platform that you're listening to.